goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. And we do that every week, sometimes with two episodes a week, by sharing the stories and advice of those rocking it on the other side. Today's episode features a creative genius whose work has undoubtedly been a part of your life, often in ways you might not even realize. I'm proud to interview Daniel Lobaton, the chief creative officer at Rethink New York, the mastermind behind some of the most memorable ads in recent history. His innovative approach shown brilliantly in the It's a Tide ad campaign, where every Super Bowl ad subtly became a Tide ad, united by the theme of impeccably clean clothes. This campaign redefined advertising ingenuity and left a lasting impression on viewers. That was Daniel. I believe he was at Saatchi and Saatchi at the time. But Rethink is where he's at now. I'm excited for you to learn about Rethink if you haven't heard about them, but they bring incredible ideas to life including the ketchup fraud campaign for Heinz. This ingenious campaign tackled the issue of counterfeit ketchup, turning what could be seen as a market challenge into a testament to the brand's popularity and quality. It's a perfect example of how Daniel's creativity turns everyday observations into powerful advertising narratives. Go to Rethink's website to see these ads. They're good stuff. Man, I'm just thinking now it's the day before Thanksgiving, and I'm just super grateful. Um, younger me would never imagine talking to such amazing people. So internal monologue aside, our conversation with Daniel is a journey through his career from his roots in Peru to becoming a global advertising icon in New York. His story is a rich tapestry of cultural diversity, creative brilliance, and unwavering dedication to his craft. So for those of you starting out, are looking to grow in the ad field, Daniel's insights are invaluable. His approach at Rethink New York, blending creativity with crystal clear messaging, something that we should all practice, is a great lesson. He gets it down to one sentence, all these ideas. This method is a blueprint for anyone in the industry, from interns to executives. He shows us how the magic is made uh, behind the scenes at Rethink this episode. So you're in for a treat. And you can connect with Daniel and explore his recommended resources, which he tailored just for you, if you visit our Instagram at Breaking and Entering Pod. And I'm starting a new thing. I will gladly help you connect and introduce you to Daniel personally as a new accomplice, if you will. All you have to do is leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts, maybe give it five stars as well, and then connect with me on LinkedIn afterward. Leave a little note saying you did that, you listened, and I'll do my best to connect you with any of the guests too. Now on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast, and as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. All right. Daniel Lobaton, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How the heck are you doing today? I'm very, very good. Thank you so much. How are you? Great. I was excited for this. I think you guys are doing some amazing, amazing work. So I'm pumped to get to know you, Daniel. Uh, and you are the chief creative officer at Rethink New York. And I can already tell it's going to get a lot of listens. So how's your day going? Where are you located? Let's kick it off. Yes. 
Yeah, my name's doing my name's going great. I have this stupid cough, so sorry if I cough in the middle of this conversation. Um, and then I am located in Brooklyn, New York. The office is here in New York. Um, it's very very fun. Uh, Rethink is a great agency that I'm very happy that I joined. I started in January of this year, and it's been a very fun ride um, so far. Um, so yeah, excited to be here. Amazing. And looking at your resume, uh, your LinkedIn. You're at Saatchi and Saatchi for about five years, five and a half years, VML and uh, YNR. So some really great agencies. You worked your way up the creative ladder uh, as you start off in copywriting, I believe. Is that correct? Yep. Copywriter. That's the way to go. Copywriter. And now you probably do both, right? I think, I think, no, I think I rely on way smarter people than me to do both, honestly. But yeah, copywriter is my strength. I mean, um, as much as I would love to say, I, uh, I have like the great art direction instincts and I think I'm not bad at it. I, you always need to rely on people that know better than you. And the best way to do that is surround yourself with a great team. You know, do you think, do you think there's more CCOs that are copywriters or art directors? But you know what? I've had this conversation a million times with a million friends. It depends. It depends where in the world a little bit, I think. I think wherever there's a need for a more um, global work, art directors may have, and this is, I'm, I'm generalizing, by no means is this like a rule. We're speculating, I, yeah. Yeah, we're speculating, but I do feel like global roles have more room for an art director. Ultimately, I think the skill that you need is to be able to tell an idea simply, uh, to 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 have a very great insight and to and to be able to articulate it in a way that is um, arresting. And so I, I think want you, whether you, yeah, yeah. I think I want to do that exercise with you on like a couple of your past, like amazing campaigns that you guys, like maybe like talking in a way to the audience and pretending like they're the client, like perhaps for yeah. it's a Tide ad or yeah, yeah. anything that you choose that you already published, like, Maybe that's a really good exercise to uh, to understand how simply you need to say it for people that, who you're pitching, potentially clients, to understand the idea. So is there one right now that you, like Lucky Jersey or, or something that you can say like pretty simply? Yeah, yeah, totally. I think I, I, think I was doing it in, intuitively throughout my career. I think definitely at Saatchi, we were trying to articulate ideas in a sentence like one of my bosses said, Remember that it is an elevator pitch after all. And and at, at such you work for Procter and Gamble, it was a it was a big company and you want ideas to travel inside the hallways of that company as fast as possible. And people will meet in an elevator and they will say, Hey, how's how's that such and such project going? And you need to be able to answer with one sentence. Oh, what we're doing is this. So if you can help the clients, not not the agency, but the clients be able to talk about the ideas internally in a very simple way, that's great. And at Rethink, I found out they, that the agency has a culture of um, just really putting a word against what you do intuitively so that it really becomes part of the culture. And so clarity is a word that we say a lot in at Rethink. And so I think that's one thing. And the other thing is a, a, a great practice that Rethink does that started at Crispin, but I think it's still alive at Rethink. Um, is tell the ideas a headline. So I think 
whether you think of it as like it's an elevator pitch or where you're thinking of what's the ultimate headline you want to get, you want to get to that like one sentence pitch line. So I think when we're talking about it's a tie that is like um, every ad is a, is a tie that look at the can close, right? Like if you, if you can say it like that, it's that simple, you know, or like you mentioned Lucky Jersey, which was last year's NFL campaign for Tide. I think the the simple pitch of like is a is a Lucky Jersey lucky or simply dirty. Like once you can say that in this kind of like simple question, simple articulation, you're pointing at an insight, you're pointing at the role of the product, and I think you're connecting all the dots. And then most recently we did this Uber Eats campaign, and we were like. Yeah, these Halloween horror movie quotes are your favorite, are your Uber Eats promo code for candy. It's like, yeah, it's so simple. Horror movie quotes are promo codes. Done. That's the idea. You know, so just articulating it that way, I think it helps everyone. You know, it helps you stay focused. It helps the client remember what they bought. It helps and us, it, you know. It doesn't feel- start off with one sentence. Or do you try to, do, I mean, there's a lot of context, insight, and and back and forth internally to get to that one sentence or do you try to equip your team to think of in one sentence at the very beginning yeah i think that's a culture of the agency and that's something that i was doing with my team at such as well so there, there's a great match with me joining rethink and finding an agency that already does that internally i think where what we're trying to do in new york is and what i've been trying to do most of my career because i think it helps the creatives is like really understanding like the insight, the tension, the context, the role of the bro- the role of the product, and then the idea in a sentence. Like if you can have this one slide that says insight, blah blah blah, context, da da da, right? Like again, let's go with Lucky Jersey, right? Insight. Um, one out of four fans has a jersey they don't wash because of it. If it's lucky, then they don't watch it, right? It could be because they think it's superstitious right. and right. Every, right. Yeah, stocks. The tension, superstition, the context is. You want your team to win on the NFL. The role of Tide is to show that dirty doesn't necessarily mean lucky. So the idea is, you know, it's a lucky jersey, lucky or dirty, right? I think so that that simple slide explains the idea. Tell me more about tell me more about tension. I hear strategists talk about it. I don't really understand that strategist. Um, maybe with with examples like you just said, where superstition was the tension. Can you explain that to me? Yeah, to me, it's a human contradiction. We're all made of contradictions, right? So I think you can find tension in the in the world. I think you can, or you can find tension in a behavior that is close to you, right? So, for mm-hmm. example, this year we did the the science campaign fraud, right, where people are mm-hmm. filling the bottles with a different type of ketchup. I think that's a great behavior that you can easily be like, oh, this is a this is the brand that you love but you're filling it with a ketchup that you don't, may not like as much. And, and there's oh, an inherent, like, uh, that there's something that, like, makes dissonance in your brain, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. quite not connecting. And to me, like, that's, and I think most of the great work in advertising is where you can find that thing super clear. Like, the tension comes from these two opposing forces. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think... It's the thing that makes it relatable, no? It's the thing that you go, oh, yeah, I've been there. Like I, And if I haven't been there in that specific content context, I've been there as a human, and therefore I can relate to this piece of communication, you know? It kind of just goes to, like, broader storytelling. Conflict, right, makes a great story. Yeah. Coming to a solution at the end. 
I, I think that, you know, we, you hear people say we're storytellers, but that really kind of encapsulated that makes it ring true, especially to me. So yeah, thanks for explaining that. And you yeah. talked about a lot of, we, we kind of hovered around some of your, uh, uh, recent work, where can people see that and watch those in the easiest form? So they know what we're talking about. Oh yeah. Well, uh, I think you can visit the agency's website <laughs> and the <laughs> reaping website. And I think um, a, a couple of of, uh, of them have gotten the uh, that age uh, articles of the week or so and so. And so I think oh, I'm like, sure. so that's that's a great place to find them. Honestly, <laughs> not to brag. That's only really bragging. I'm not that guy. Yeah. Well, I'm, and you didn't you, you didn't even mention the awards they probably earned or going to earn, <laughs> which is inevitable. So tell me more about rethink. I I, I think. Um, part of this podcast is to educate aspiring advertisers what the different agencies are out there in the world. So this is your chance to talk about independent versus holding company, size, clients, what makes you guys different? Are you a full service agency? M just make ads. What? Tell tell me about more about Rethink. Yeah. What makes you guys different? I think so. Rethink is an independent agency that started in Vancouver. And in the past 25 years have become the best agency in Canada. And, and I say this like uh, very proud of my colleagues and everyone who's been a part of that journey because looking at the work that they've done and looking at how the agency went to now occupy a place in a global stage where we're like amongst the top three independent agencies in the world is super exciting. Um, I think... The beauty of Rethink is a little bit of what I was saying. Like, there's a lot of intuition that goes into this job of the, the creative business, you know? And I think um, what I discovered and that I was really happy about is that the agency has taken the time to write everything down, to, uh, to make a name for something and to be able to, like, create a bit of a method to the madness. And there's a lot of madness, it's advertising, right? But there's a little bit of a method. There's a little bit of a, if we, if we do this, this, and this, we'll, we'll make sure that there's a quality control to the creative output. So there's and some so, sort of formula internally for creative ideas, but no, formula is a tough word, right? You have checkpoints. Formula check is a tough word. Formula is yeah, a tough so word. maybe it's checkpoints, like, quality assurance, yeah. system. It's that. It's quality. It's like making sure that they have like the beautiful basics are covered, right? Clarity, relevance, achievability, uh, freshness, truth, shareability, right? And we call that crafts. Clarity. It's probably your job to your job to make sure they're hitting all those points, right? A hundred percent. But the moment you communicate it to everyone, you create a common language for people to be able to say, you know what, where where this is not that good is on relevance. So the idea is good, but but like, how do you make sure that we're working on the relevance? So then you go and figure out like what what. What would make that relevant? What would make this idea more relevant? Is it the date in which it's launched? Is it like tapping, appearing on a specific place? Like, how do you take this same idea, but work on it so that it's a little bit more relevant in culture? And so it's fun because once you have this all laid out, it's easier to communicate with creatives. It's easier to have like a, a, a a conversation around instead of like, mm, I don't know, I don't feel it, which is like a bit of a cop out. This makes it very clear to give feedback because you can be like, yeah, well, listen, it's not clear. The idea isn't, the clarity is not there, right? Or 
it's clear, it's relevant, but you know what? It's not insightful. Like there's no truth to it. So how do, how do we work a little bit more on that? I guess, how do you, so you came up with this system. Uh, how do you reinforce it? And let's say a junior copywriter, art director combo get hired. How are they going to learn it? What's the onboarding like? And then oh, how do you consistently make sure people are using this language appropriately in the right setting? Right. So there's onboarding for sure. There's like, we let everyone know what the culture of the agency is. And uh, these type of things travel really fast. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that it's like, hey, everyone, this is the objective. This is how we're going to do it. Um, I think the... I think the way in which we make sure that everyone comes on board is at this, hold on, give me one, I'm terribly sorry. Yeah, you're good. My baby just yelled. Hola, mi amor, ¿cómo estás? Tengo que trabajar un ratito, ¿sí? Yeah. Anda con Marcia en segundo. No, no. Sorry, Gina, give me one second. All good. Okay, where was I? Okay, so... Reinforcing it, onboarding, it travels fast yeah. internally this system that you guys have, I'm sure it's like town halls, internal emails, uh, but it's also spread like a trickle down probably to your GCDs, your CDs, ACDs, all the way down. Yeah. But also we do a session with everyone and especially like I, I can take advantage that New York right now isn't that big of a team where we all look at the work from all of the rethink three times a year and do the craft session where we draw a line on the floor put all the work there, and we start to assess, give, score the ideas based on the criteria. So at, so at the end of that session, it's like a one-hour, two-hour session. At the end of that session, pretty fast, yeah. you see where the, where the work lands. It's already published work, or is it potentially? It depends. Yeah. It depends. Sometimes we look at ideas that we're very excited about, and we just put them there, and we can. It gives you a snapshot of the agency based on the criteria that you set up. Right. And right, so you right, immediately right. Go, you like, literally see system. everything laid out before you. Oh. Yeah, and some stuff is bad, and some stuff is great, and and some stuff you're like, that idea is this type of idea. How do we make sure that when we do a 15-second spot, some of this logic also applies, and it's not just like the quick social reaction, and you start moving stuff around to be like, okay, not not every idea behaves the same way, right? And not every media will allow you to do everything perfectly. But what you can do is look at a snapshot like that and learn and be like, okay, well, maybe this quarter, so to speak, um, we should focus more on broadcast having more relevancy. How about that? That should be the next objective. And so when you check in a couple of months later, you can see whether the work that's on the pipeline or the work that you've produced achieved. And so having that snapshot constantly just gives you the just refines the tool, you know what I mean? Which is great. And you do three of those a year? We do three of those a year, yeah. Wow. I love it. I, I Even inviting junior to mid-level that can see all the work, they know what the agency's doing and where we all need to improve collectively, I think it's probably yeah. super, super helpful. And then it, it also allows you to like, constantly go back to that conversation, right? You're going to be like, hey, remember that time when we were talking about this and that idea was working because of that? Well, another reference point to yeah, guide the work. Reference. Yeah. I guess what else do you guys do, like, internally <laughs> to make sure that you're, because not all clients 
allow for super creative work. Sometimes you just have to sell something uh, that they need. Um, so yeah, I'm yeah. just kind of curious how you keep on pushing boundaries. Totally. We also have something called a relationship accelerator. And it's something that happens very early stages with a new client where we just like, I'll, well, first it's like a little bit of a cathartic session where it's like, what would you like to get from this new agency collaboration? What wasn't working before? What was working before? How can we help? Right? So there's this, um, and what do we expect from them as well? So there's this very clear moment of like, and it's relatively early on where we have this conversation about like, what do we want to be as a partnership agency and client? And so that also gives you like a clear, like you walk out of that meeting with like at least three key learnings that you're like, okay, we can reference this. So working Who's on that, is that just um, like the executive team? It's the executive team. It, it really depends on how you structure the session. We've had one recently with a client that brought key decision makers from different parts, but it wasn't just like at the top of the company, but, you know, brand managers, senior brand managers. And so oh, it was an interesting session because you get a little bit of different point of views, you know, and just hearing all, hearing it all out allows you mm -hmm. to realize, oh, maybe what they need right now to be able to unlock great work together is working on this type of, you know, like just fixing right. this first. And you do that when they onboard as a client. Do you do any sort of check-ins later on? Yes. yes, we do. So ideally it's every year, year and a half so that we check yeah. in back again and go like, okay, how, how are we doing? Should we just do this exercise one more time and see how we strengthen the team? You know? Beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's just a little probably of the magic behind what makes you guys so, so relevant, right? And, and clear. What were the other, what were the other pillars? Achievable, freshness, truth, shareable. And then, and then I think what we're working on as well is with excellent craft. Cause like, I think what the, what the U.S. Um, scale of clients allow you to do is to access uh, healthier budgets with allow you to access bigger talent, right? And so. The more talented the people surrounding an idea, you know, the craft is going to be better and better and better. So what else I think, hmm? what else do I need to ask about rethink, you know, so I don't miss out. What am I missing about, um, this, you're located in New York, New York, Vancouver. still. Vancouver, Montreal and Toronto. Gotcha. What else do I, what else do the people need to know that I haven't asked? It, it's, a. Uh, it's a very passionate agency. It's people that really love what they do. I think it's a very respectful culture. Um, it's a very strong culture as well. I think the productivity is highly valued in, in all sense, in all sense, like just raise your hand, um, but also creative proposals, great ideas that clients should be making. Let's go and show it to them. Um, I think that team we'll building in New York, I am very excited about. We brought Tara the Wall, who's, a, who's an extremely great executive creative director. She, What's her name? What's her name? Tara, Tara the Wall. <laughs> I didn't say that right. Tara the Wall. There we go. And uh, mm -hmm. Tara was a droga for, for a long run. Uh, I've been a huge fan of hers for 
15 years. Like I was working at YNR Peru and she's, she was at YNR New York. And, I, and ah. there was an internal website where you could see, like an intranet, where you could see the work that all the agencies and all the offices were doing. And every time there was something exciting, I would look at the credits and Tara was always was there. there. Yeah. And so and when now, I... Now, so are you building out this team a little bit? Where are you guys at and where, what's the goal in New York? Well, um, definitely new business, right? Definitely new business. Get those, get those clients. Yeah. Get those clients. Uh, we had this great project with Uber, and I think we may get a few more. You know, that would be excellent. These projects, clients, mm -hmm. projects are like the future. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it's a model that I wasn't used to from my Sachi days. That I actually lot, was very... a lot more agent agency of record system, or totally. totally. Yeah, why um, is that? You know, I don't know. Are they looking for just the like clients want to shop around, get the best creative ideas, fresh, utilize different agencies for different strengths, or are they just not sure yet? Or what, what do you think the shift is? I think it's that. I think it's like getting getting to the best work and being able to access the best talent they can. You know, and I think that's absolutely fair for me. If I were a client, I would do it as well. For a and little bit, right? It's just like dating yeah, or like finding a creative partner, right? Like you got to test exactly. the waters. But then when exactly. you find something that works, then then they should commit because then that that relationship will only yield better results. Yes, sorry, that may be what came. Uh, no, I think, good. yeah, I I think I think it's a case by case type situation. I think it's one of those like. I don't want to. I don't want to dismiss it and call it a trend. I think it's a business model that people are are leaning more and more towards, and there has to be a bigger business reason behind it that maybe we can't see or not see. Like generalizing this type of decisions to me is always like risky because yeah, yeah, no way making that decision. But, but you but tell I do, me, I, like you've been in this this field longer, way yeah. long, like I'm like a year in basically. Yeah, I, I has that been that, the case? I do think that when there's a great partnership with a client, uh, there's more and more trust and therefore the agency access to more and more uh, business. And so even when it comes to an AOR, um, once a client likes working with a specific team, they will find a way to give you a little bit more yeah. of their business, you know? So I don't think necessarily it's like the product versus AOR. I think there's a narrative around that in this day and age of like, well, the AR business is broken, the model is broken. I don't, I'm not sure if it's broken. I just think it's like, build a strong relationship. It's a, it's a business about humans. You know what I mean? Like people want to work with people. You want to work with great clients. And if you're a good creative or a great team of an agency, they want to work with you. You know what I mean? And then you go from there a little bit. Right. And the same advice for our listeners out there that are aspiring you know, finding the right people, what the right agency, the right company to work at. It's a human business. And sometimes the agencies will prefer freelancers or they'll have you intern for a while. It's kind of like there's a lot of parallels between getting a job and getting a client in, in a way. A hundred percent. And there are freelancers that you're like, this person is excellent for the agency as a freelancer because they will come in like, they will come in with that commitment of having that freedom, which is excellent because sometimes as a creative, you, sometimes you have, it depends on what creative department you build, right? But some, some creatives are there and they've been there, they're comfortable 
And so they play a little safe, you know? And, and, I, and I mean, like, people that have been in agencies for years and decades, right? Like, you, you won't get freshness from them. Whereas a freelancer, you're getting them because of the freshness or because of the, hey, you're, you will see that problem in a different way. Now, it's, it's always, I believe, it's always better when you have, like, a core team of people you trust and you develop telepathy with. You know, that you, you look at them and they know what you're trying to say without saying it. Listen, like, I was lucky enough to have a great team at Sachi. I'm lucky that I'm building a great team at Rethink. But it's one of those where you're in a client meeting on a Zoom and someone looks at someone else's screen and they know exactly what they need to say mm -hmm. without even saying a word. That, yeah. that level of telepathy is excellent. It helps you move faster, you know? You're building out your team. You're looking for any juniors <laughs> that could be listening? Um, I know we there are a lot of independence and uh, and growing shops it's towards the end right you kind of want to get your seniors and your mid but it's still yeah, a I question mean, i want to ask yeah i think i think we're very early stages so we're trying to to build like you said like find like the three key people that or the mm -hmm. four key people that we want but yeah i i think in six months time that will be a completely different team for what it's worth by the time this is posted, it might be three months, yep. right? Yeah. Like so, you so hopefully people can reach out to you, and their books are are in a good spot, and uh, I'll help connect them if they leave a little review. Yeah. Um, sure. your story, real now. I just want to get into you. Like, how'd you get here? When did you say I wanted to make ads for a living? Um, I think somewhere when I was fourteen, fifteen, I found out that. Captain America and Popeye were like characters that were created for war propaganda. And it was like, what? And wait a minute, what? And then I like, it like dawned on me like, oh yeah, you can, most of the stuff that was created around that time that influenced our culture massively, whether it was films or this or that, was, there was a message behind. There was like an intention. A little purpose, a little agenda. A little, a little agenda, exactly. And I was so intrigued by that so very early. Uh, in my life, really, that I was like, I, I, I just want to learn how to use the tools to communicate at a, at a mass scale, which is what that was. And, um, and then advertising felt like the right mix of everything. No, you want to make a living for sure. Um, especially being in Peru, like you want to make a living. I think you want to be able to express yourself. At least I felt like I needed to express myself. I had a lot of ideas. I knew that I wanted to have a creative endeavor. And then like it helps you channel that, you know, like at least in my case, it helped me channel the creativity to be able to pour it into projects that last a certain amount of time. You see them through conclusion and then you can move on to the next one. At least in the, in the first years of your career, you're like, yeah, I, I want to be able to focus on all this creativity somewhere, see something get made and then move on to the next and learn. Right. And I think the more you do it, the more you learn and the better you get at it and the more faster, yeah. Faster and you and you meet the right collaborators and I don't know, like twenty years later you're like, Oh yeah, I guess I'm running the <laughs> I guess I'm running the creative department. And how'd you get the first job then? Um the very first one I was I was waiting. This was like a direct marketing agency where I was an intern in Peru like a million years ago. And um I was waiting for an interview in a marketing department because me and my friend were writing a radio show and we lost our job because of something a friend said on air. It's a long story. 
but I was like, I did. I'm, I'm worried about that. I, 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 I do this every week. I'm sure yeah. I've said I, good thing. My agency probably doesn't listen to every episode, but there you go. That's a real concern. So, so and this is my job. I'm looking for a job. It's summer. I go to this big company, like this big corporation. And it was a marketing job. And I, I didn't have a problem. I was like, great, I'll do this. It's fine. I'll learn something. I was very young. I didn't have any, like, it wasn't in a rush. And in that little waiting room, there was this friend of mine from college mm -hmm. who was like sitting there waiting for the interview. And she said, what are you doing here? And I was like, no, I have this, you know, there this job and this. And it's like, you don't fit here. Like, you're like the creative type. Like, why are you here? Like, would you like to work in an agency? And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, they're looking for interns in my agency where I work at. Do you want to like interview there? And I'm like, yeah. And so she texted someone and she was like, are you free? Like, we can be there in like two hours. So she did. Wow. And she took me to the agency. It was very random, very lucky. And I just sat there and, and like, I met the, the CCO and he was like, it, it's a small shop, right? And he was like, very kind, extremely human. And he listened to me and he was like, yeah, listen, like, you seem like a good guy. Like, you don't have any experience on this, but can you write? And I was like, yeah, I've been writing this, this and that. He was like, okay, then you can write here. Come on, come right. And I learned and like, yeah, you learn a lot. What agency was that? It's, uh, it was called RAP. Hmm. R-A-P-P. -P. It was back then in the early 2000s. It was, I don't remember. It's, I think it's Omnicom. Yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. And so it was, it used to be Rap Collins. In Peru, it was associated with an indie agency. It was called One to One Rap. And so we were doing like, they were very good. They were extremely good. They got a bunch of awards on direct marketing in some regional shows. And they were very good in the FBs. They were yeah. like, had huge clients. They had like, in Peru, they had like, the biggest uh, cell phone company, the biggest bank. The, so it, it was like a scale type agency. As a copywriter, you intern and then got an extension of full time? I'm sorry, what? As a copywriter, you got hired as an intern? So I did the intern thing. I got hired, but by that time I was going to get, you do six months, right? You do six months and then you get hired if you do them right. Um, and around that time, I got my, the equivalent to a Hogwarts letter. I got a letter that was like, uh, I had applied to a visa between the Peruvian and French government. And I got this letter that I had gotten uh, the, um, what do you call it? The scholarship to go and study in France. Oh. And so, yeah, I packed my stuff and moved to France just to see what it was like, you know? And actually there, I started marketing, marketing. Okay. And, and it was triggered because of what happened in my first year as a copywriter. Like in my first year there interning, I I was... I felt like I was missing half the story. I felt like, oh, I have all these creative tools. Like I've been doing things like I saved money and bought myself like a camcorder, which you didn't do in Peru because they would steal it in the street. Like a bunch of stuff that I was like, I just want to learn, right? Like audio editing, video editing. Like I had all this stuff. And I had seen enough of the advertising thing in the first three months to be like, I, I see how I can pour my creativity here, but I don't think I am... I business savvy enough to understand what the person on the other end of the phone call or the meeting room or whatever is talking about, you know, like they're, I'm not seeing something that they're seeing in the work and they're right. not it for whatever reason. And so that was your, that was your introduction to the other side, the client side, super helpful. I I've heard, I've heard that on this podcast a couple of times where people end up in these marketing positions or doing uh, comms 
for a specific company and works with agencies or or has an internal agency and that's so so crucial i think if you can find yourself that beforehand as an intern and get that gauge of what it's like on the other side what they're looking for where their money is going the strategy behind it the, the approval processes on the other side is so crucial it's tricky too because like you want to spend enough time to understand it but not so much time that it works against you later right because right. Right. Then I like I did this master's degree. I actually interned at Procter and Gamble in Paris. Wow! Right. So it was like, oh my God, I'm in the NASA of marketing, right? Like they're an excellent company. I love Procter and Gamble. They like invented so, advertising. Yeah, totally. Say. And and they and they have so many tools and so much knowledge and kind people, very business, very good at business, very good at what they do. And so when I left that now i had to find a job as a copywriter again and i hadn't done it enough before it's a fine speak. line it's a fine well, line for you but you can always switch i mean it's hard it gets harder when you when you're in the other side for too long and i warn people like that's why an internship is like a good amount of time but yeah i how you know walking that fine line of am i going to end up here for the rest of my career yep. are people going to forget that i was a copywriter at one point and showcase that's why i always say if you're in a job like that a marketing side job you still need to practice your craft with a portfolio and spec work and stay equipped and kind of stay uh, like in tune right yeah yeah and then i think like i i always try to put myself in the position of doing the best possible advertising work so Right after the Procter & Gamble experiment and everything, I, I really realized, like, I quickly realized, okay, there's a, there's a standard of quality control in the industry, the infamous award shows, that you kind of need to understand fairly fast. And in my case, specifically, because the only way for me to get a visa to any country is justifying a visa. And to justify a visa, you need to have awards and interviews and this and that. Oh, so, I know. Yeah, I've helped out some people uh, on the PR side. Uh, you know, some former workers, somebody on this podcast that works on this podcast. I try to do as much PR for them so they can get that approval. It's a crazy process. It's and, a crazy process. And so, but it's kind of like a PR, it's like a fun little PR challenge that I love. I'm like, oh, you need, you need to secure as many uh, placements to prove to the government that you are excellent. Hell yes. I want to help. It teaches so much too, because you immediately go, oh, so this career is about constantly bringing evidence that you are good at what you do. Right. But, but like somebody that's born in the U S that doesn't have to prove themselves misses out on that. Like that kind of like that stress factor. Right. But it is pretty essential to excel for, to to get promotions to get noticed to to win these awards or get recognition i would say like yep. when ad age ad week campaign digiday they pick up your piece and write about it that's just as effective so it's not just awards yep. you need that fire and like some people are complacent born in the system they don't realize that until later it also i think it also like take subjectivity out of like, but this is a good idea that I like. Yeah, but did you get to the checklist? Then right, right. And and in a more in a more pragmatic sense, when you're trying to fill in all of these pieces of work for a visa, for something that will secure where the, in which country you live, 
you become a little bit more pragmatic where it's like, oh, yeah. like I love this idea, but if it's not going to get me this, I need to do the thing that gets me this thing because this is what I need for my visa. And right. so immediately, KPIs, you got to hit those KPIs. You got to get, there's, exactly. there's certain things that actually qualify good work, whether it's creative award shows, PR recognition or effectiveness, perhaps, uh, which are the key. The I, I mean, I don't know what else, you know, other than that is the most, uh, most important for a good ad. And so once you realize that your career is, can be measured in the same way, it makes you very goal oriented. Mm -hmm. I think you immediately go like, okay, so, well, first, the faster you get to do some of those things, the, the least, the faster you demystify that it's hard. It takes a lot of work, but I don't think, I don't want to, I don't want to say this because it sounds like I'm jinxing my career forever, but like, I, I don't think, I don't think it's hard in the sense like, oh shit, I can never access the brilliance to make great work. No, anyone can do, can do great work. You just have to put yourself in a position where you're able and open enough to learn what great work looks like surrounded yourself with enough smart people that you can learn from them how to make great work and then don't be scared of putting yourself out there until you get great right right yeah i love that and, and definitely then, study the best people study the the award-winning work what's getting featured everybody kind of needs to be that student so you can recognize what that formula is or what that what that looks like the caliber the caliber it's really case it's, studies. It's really, it's like, what case studies? I think it's like you, you start, the more you don't just, like the part study is more important than the part case because you need to break them down. You need to be like, why did this work? Like what, sure, this got a bunch of awards. The, the juries may decide whether an idea does, gets a shortlist or a gold. And, and some of the most famous pieces of work are Grand Prix in one festival and a bronze on the next. Right. Then there's exceptional work that gets a Grand Prix everywhere. Good. Right. Great. Right. But study the bronzes. Like, that's fine. Take the bronze. Like, and, and I guess, again, like looking at it from a visa standpoint, I didn't need to win golds. I needed to win awards. Like, I, I didn't need to get like Forbes article. I needed an article. And you right. go from there, right? Get, get this level of recognition, then go from there and scale up, right? Ladder up. And so, just unpacking why certain pieces of work worked, you can easily go like, oh, I understand, like the, the thing we described earlier, no? Inside tension, context, uh, simply told in, in one sentence. That's true to most of our brain work. And if you get one of those a little clunky, it immediately drops. And so just looking at the work and examining it and being like, why did this work? Why did this win? You know, oh, it won because it's leveraging the context in an excellent way. Great. So context matters, right? Like whatever idea I come up with next, I should surround it with some context. Then you go like, oh, this one won because of execution. And then look how they phrased certain things to elevate an idea at the end of an ad. And they right? tell so, you that all in the case study, like if mm -hmm. you go to, if you have these subscriptions or ask them for it, it sets it up and it tells you every part oh, of right. it pretty much. So well, and, and you just like go. Right. Like, I think the problem is when you look at it cynically and you think it's a formula. It's not a formula. Some case mm -hmm. studies may look similar for sure, but more than a formula, it's a way of, again, checking certain boxes of quality. Does your idea have this? Did your idea right. have that? 
was it able to flip that creative execution in a way that's memorable? Right. Did push it enough to make it like, I say stupid. Like when I say, oh, you guys have to push it until it's so stupid, it's smart. You know, like, but that just, what I'm trying to say is like, don't be afraid of pushing the logic of your idea. Make the logic super sound. So that gives you the freedom to push the execution to a place where it's almost absurd to the point that you go, how did they pull that off? <laughs> right? I like that. But, um, but it's all a matter of like studying and like, I, mm-hmm. like I said, I think the visa thing was, was a blessing and a curse. The yeah. curse was you live a little stressed. Oh my gosh. It focuses you. Right? It's and, effective. That's for sure. It'll make you, it'll make you great. I think so. Hopefully. Well, that's all I got. Thank you so much. How can people reach out to you? This was a beautiful episode. I want to make sure people can uh, say hello. For sure. For sure. For sure. There. Um, you can reach out to me at daniel.lobaton, my name, at rethinkideas.com. Perfect. Yep. Thank you so much, Daniel. You got it, my friend. Crushed it. Yeah.